welcome to this week's Alpha Architect Weekly Research Summary. As always, got Dr. Jack Vogel here. We're going to be going through two papers this week. I, I think they're pretty straightforward. Um, so this, this hopefully should be pretty short, but it, I think it's pretty interesting as well. So the first paper uh, written on our blog this week was, is financial advice conflicted or is it simply misguided? This paper looks at whether financial advisors have conflicted incentives that lead them to make adverse decisions for their clients. The authors of the paper compared a large sample of what Canadian advisors did, so did not take into account U.S. advisors, but large sample of Canadian advisors did with their own money and what those advisors did with their clients' money to see what the data showed. Um, so the point was to see aren't our advisors doing the same thing with client money that they do with their own money or are they doing two you know saying one thing and doing another um so so jack what what did the results show yeah so the results showed pretty much that the um you know if you look on a gross of fee basis actually the clients did slightly better than the advisors um but once you account for like the advisor fees and etc um, the two samples of the advisor and the client portfolios actually did pretty similar. So for all intents and purposes, you know, what the advisor was invested in, they found that the client was pretty much invested in similar stuff. Um, so even though on net, what they found is, you know, in this sample, they had kind of on average just underperformed the standard benchmark. What they found is that like you underperformed similar to how your advisor underperformed, right? So yeah. Basically, you, you kind of did what your advisor, their own investment strategy was. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of funny results. So, you know, you're you're saying, okay, financial advisors are underperforming in this sample. Uh, why are they underperforming? Is it incentive driven or is it, uh, uh, invite, you know, are, are they just following their own belief structure? Uh, and it turns out they're just underperforming because they're following their own belief structure, not anything you know. Yeah, it's. I think it's interesting in that you know it's it's not nefarious, yeah, it's not nefarious right? And right. you know, I'm generally, I generally still believe like you know, 99% of people are good, right. right? And that and that they're probably even higher than that, 99.9%, right? And so a lot of times it's easy to like look at the outside and be like, oh hey, I looked at your portfolio, and by the way, you underperformed the index by you know two percent annualized. Your advisor was an idiot. By the way, you have this high fee product, so they clearly were just making money off you, you know, and, and like the easy answer there is to say that you underperform because the because the advisor was driven by incentives. Yeah. Like they're getting paid on this product that's high fee. Yeah. And while that may be the case, what this paper actually shows is that the advisor invests in the same thing, right? right? So, and on net, Essentially, you know, you're getting a similar return to what your advisor's portfolio is actually getting. Right. So at some level, it's really like what the advisor believes as far as investment strategy goes is kind of what your return stream is going to be. Right. Because, you know, like it's it's what always takes a beating in the in the mutual fund space. Uh, you know, uh, low, what do they call them? Load mutual funds, right? Where you pay the fee up front. But then there's people who make the argument behaviorally. 
you know, mutual funds with upfront loads could actually make investors behave better because, right? Like, I mean, it's yes. just now you, you force them to stay in because they already spent so much money to get in. You know, it's to your point, you can you can kind of view this a lot of ways. Like, yeah, not you, you definitely can. And, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of like if, actually Meb, on Meb's like global asset allocation uh, book and so on, as well as websites too as well. An interesting factoid about that is like he just looks at like all these different strategies, and if you just literally sticked with all the strategies, you get in similar place. Right. So I think a lot of times the issue is if you change strategies. So behavior is very important, yeah. right? And, and that's why there can be, at times, valid arguments for for such uh, incentive structures, as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. All right. So financial advisors are. Not nefarious. This is good. They they may underperform for different reasons, uh, but uh, but yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it's something we we see all the time, right? Behaviorally, do something and stick to it. Or as Jack wrote a paper on, you just you you gotta trust the process, right? Yeah. Or, or and I guess at some level, you know, maybe that's where you want to find. So another, I would say, uh, implication of this study is that in general, you know, you're going to get the returns of your advisor's portfolio. So at some level, the individual investor, even if you deem you want an advisor, maybe for behavioral coaching, et cetera, you should probably understand what the advisor is investing in um, as opposed to just like deferring it because this paper shows you're pretty much just going to get the advisor's portfolio. Right. 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 So basically education. Right. which is an important thing. Yeah, and the, the, this this week, uh, we instead of an elf on the shelf at Alpha Architect, we have our bear on the shelf to look after us and make sure we stay in line. So so we're, we're definitely not nefarious here with that, with that scary thing looking at us. Um, so the, the second paper this week, the global capital stock finding a proxy for the unobservable global market portfolio. Okay, so I'm just gonna give the intro the authors give on this because it just does a great job of explaining what the paper is. So the article summarizes the author's attempt to measure the stock of a broad universe of assets worldwide. Therefore, by measuring the global capital stock of assets, both financial and non-financial in the economy, the authors intend to provide a proxy for the theoretical global market portfolio. The authors compute the market value of global assets included in 11 asset classes for the 2005 to 2016 period. So let's get this back to English, Jack. Um, what, what do the authors mean by the global capital stock? Yeah, so what they're looking at is, you know, the universe of all investable assets, right? And so, you know, when you start learning finance and about investing, you know, you you hear about efficient markets, efficient frontier, and, you know, basically, you're always told, oh, you you can just invest in in all the, in the market, right? And the market at some level is, you know, you have like your, you know, especially capital asset pricing line, uh, or sorry, um, when we're looking at the yeah the capital asset pricing line, you can say, hey, we'll do the market plus some sort of risk-free. So this kind of just said, hey, if we wanted to actually sum up and total up what is the global market portfolio, what is it? So it's an interesting study kind of looking at the data to show how much money could go in stocks, real estates, bonds, et cetera. Yep, yep. yep. So yeah, so, so pu- public equities, right? The stock market, we're, we're totaling up what's that worth. 
debt securities, you know, bonds, whatever, non-financial loans, cash and cash equivalents, uh, real estate, and then forestry or agricultural land and private businesses. Um, uh, the, the measure for the value of all these global assets was uh, $532 trillion in 2016. That's up from $512 trillion in 2015. Um, so those are, those are big numbers. I don't, I don't know. you have any idea what the U.S. is, standalone or U.S. public markets? I know GDP is about $17 trillion a year, I think, in the U.S., something like that. Yeah, I think on average, you know, it's probably if you just take, you know, world GDP and put some sort of decent multiple 10, 12 times on it, you kind of get that would that would make sense. Yeah, 532 trillion dollars. That's a, it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's that's the value of uh of the uh yeah, the world <laughs> kind of. Um okay. Um so yeah, so so and I mean you you kind of hit on it, but what what's like What's the benefit of measuring this? Like, why do we care to measure what all the assets in the world are worth? Uh, I mean, at some level, it's just interesting to note, yeah. right? And, and highlight, um, you know, at, at an overview, if you think you're like a passive investor and you're like, oh, I'm just going to invest in U.S. stocks, U.S. bonds, you realize that's like a, like a fraction of the world's total assets. Yep. So it's just an interesting fact to, to, your point to there, highlight non, that non-financial assets were the largest component at 223 trillion in 2016. So yeah, to your point. Yeah. Exactly. So um, but but even on the financial asset side, you, you realize if you're just, you know, S&P and treasuries or US bonds, you're you're not investing in Basically, you're only investing in a fraction of the potential investable assets. All right. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's pretty simple to understand then. Um, but the, the chart on, our, on the blog post is, is pretty interesting to look at. You, you can look at by year how the, uh, how the various asset classes ebb and flow. So one, like one interesting point, right? Uh, in 2006 was when real estate made up the largest percentage of global assets at 28%. Um, but by 2009, it had gone down all the way to 17% real estate made up as a percentage of that global assets was, was, uh, real estate. So like, you know, we can see how these different asset classes can ebb and flow. Um, real estate, yeah, remains the dominant asset class and, uh, I mean, other ones, cash and cash equivalents, 13%, yeah. uh, a lot of cash on the sidelines, right? <laughs> is one argument we can make there. I don't know. But, all right. Uh, that That's all we got for this week. Uh, yeah, tune in next week. We'll be here with the uh, our bear on the shelf and, uh, and Jack as always. The views expressed in this recording are the personal views of the participants as of the date indicated and do not necessarily reflect the views of Alpha Architect itself. Nothing contained in this recording constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice, and should not be viewed as a current or past recommendation or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities, or to adopt any investment strategy. The information in this recording is based on current market conditions which will fluctuate and may be superseded by subsequent market events or for other reasons. Alpha Architect does not resume any duty to update forward-looking statements.
The information in this recording has been developed internally and or obtained from sources believed to be reliable. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made or given by or on behalf of Alpha Architect as to the accuracy and completeness or fairness of the information contained in this recording. Any liability as a result of this recording, including direct, indirect, special, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. Copyright 2018, Alpha Architect LLC, all rights reserved.